Castillo. Hey, what's happening, folks? Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 52 of the Fight Deck Podcast. This is the off-season kickoff, and we are really, really ready to get things going. Joining me, as usual, is my guy, one, one of the, the three compadres, the three amigos, Mr. Matthew Freeze. What's up, man? What's going on? Glad to be back. Had a little bit of a layoff. A lot of good stuff's happened since. We've got some Senior Bowl talk, some standouts, the impact of some of the players at the Senior Bowl, some risers, some fallers. So can't wait to uh, jump on into it. Oh, no doubt, man. Um, yeah, you know, we had to take a little little break to recover from the, the season that was, um, you know, refresh and, and pull things together. I know you see different, you know, folks um, listening on uh you know, Spotify, wherever you, you listen to us at, we're now uh, going visual. So we will be doing this as a, both a video and audio podcast. So real excited about that and uh, ready to go. So with that being said, um, as Matthew alluded to, we had the Senior Bowl recently where the Jets were the, uh, the coaching staff and uh, it was it was pretty good, man. Uh, what did you think of the job they did? I want to know what you think before we get into what others think. Listen, man. Um, you know the, the the Jets coaching staff brought the juice from from all accounts, including from what I was reading, what I was looking at. I mean, I was really happy, and I, I thought it was kind of a, a, a unique thing. I mean, not not that um, you know. Benton was was the coach or anything because obviously he was the coach in one of those games. But I think the reality is is that we have a, a need at tight end and we're putting Benton in there as, as the coach when we're coaching some of the guys that we really could be targeting down the line and McBride, Rucker, Charlie Kohler, Ferguson. So you know it was it was interesting to see uh, how how we uh, you know how we assess some of those guys and, and and specifically the tight end group. So, you know, overall, I just, I, I was happy with what I saw and it looked like the, the team really responded to the Jets coaching. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Uh, <clears throat> well, I'm gonna tell you what I, what I did. Like, um, I like that Robert Sala let uh, Middleton pretty much run the show. Um, and I, you know, I think it was I think it was twofold. One was to, you know, give him more hands on experience of, you know, running things and kind of learning the ebbs and flows along with Sala himself. Um, and two was to get Milton, you know, more experience to uh, bolster his resume and whatnot, you know, for his future. So shout out to uh, to Sala for that. Now, during the, the week. You know, we, we watched some of the practices and we talked about some of the things. And one of the uh, things that, that we liked that that came out was the praise for the, the Jets staff. Um, there was a, 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 a common theme going around from several people about how well run the Jets team was, how different the practices looked. 
um, and, and how they did things versus what we'll see from Dan Campbell and the Lions. And I think it showed, you know, in the game. That team looked a lot better. Even though it was a short week, that team still looked a lot better. What's your take on that? They just looked more motivated. Like they were actually being coached by a professional organization, which, I mean, that speaks highly of, you know, the Jets as a whole. I mean, we've heard nonstop praise about the Jets coaching staff and Salah being the right guy, JD being the right GM for the job and whatever. So this just further reinforces what I think a a lot of rational Jets fans will believe is that, we have the right guys in place, and, and, and you know, it's it's not only Sal and J.D., it's down the line. It's LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. You know, obviously, Ulbrich got, you know, the short end of the stick this year with the defense, you know, majority of our cap space being allocated to the injured reserve because of, you know, injuries and whatnot. But, you know, Ulbrich will get another chance next year. And down to Benton when, you know, when, when he was playing uh, playing interim coach when Sal was out with COVID. So I think it just – it's just a testament to the fact that we do have the right guys in place. And, and you know, it, 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 the, the, the players, the young guys were able to be coached by a professional organization, which is I, I don't think anything we can say at least the last two years with Gase, you know, at the helm. So so it, overall, thoroughly impressed. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not shocked because I don't think Salah has ever hired yes men. I don't think he's ever hired guys that, you know, just do enough to get by. And, and I don't think Ben's any any, you know, exception to that. I, I, I agree. Um, let me tell you what I saw, man. And I I was intending to share it with you and Amari, who, who's not here with, with us on, on this, this run. Uh, but I was intending to share something that I saw in one of the groups that I was in. Um, so we were talking about kind of the same thing we're talking about here with the Jets, uh, coaching staff and whatnot. And somebody said, made kind of, you know a, a comment to the – the Jets staff like, well, you know, they're down at the senior bowl looking at those kids. I hope they're paying attention to the guys who, who get drafted in the first and second round. And, you know, my response was, first of all, why wouldn't they be? But second of all, if they're at the senior bowl with these seniors at the senior bowl, why would they not put all their time, effort, and attention on those guys that are right there in front of, you know. Yeah. Especially considering tight end is a big need for us, and we had a couple of guys down there, and we'll get into it in a little bit, that we really should have paid attention to. And we're hoping that the Jets can somehow wrangle one or even both of them, if if need be, you know, to help us out. But, you know, that that conversation, man, it – it just blew me away, like, how, you know, some people just expect failure from this, this this team. And when you hear something good about the coaching staff or players, they're so quick to lash out and just dismiss it for no no other reason than they just miserable people, man. No, I, I, listen, I, I, don't, I don't get it. First of all, there's something called area scouts. Right. And, and those area scouts have been going across the country, watching college games, getting film, breaking down all 22 tape. You don't. this is a year round process. This isn't. A, oh, the Jets are at the senior bowl. They don't have anyone else doing any other type of work. Just because you saw J.D. down there, just because you saw solid down there, LaFleur down there. They're getting eyes on some of these guys. They're getting eyes on, 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 you know, especially this tight end group, some running back, you know, the running back group, the offensive lineman, Trevor Penning, you know, a whole bunch of these guys. So the idea that that. You know, people expect failure. Like, can you really blame them? I, you know, I, I, I get where they're coming from, but it's just like, 
we're at a point now where it's universally agreed upon by the you know the actual experts, the actual people that you know are part of NFL organizations that the Jets have the right guys at the helm, and 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 we're at that point. So let's stop. You know, the the first step of this is changing internally in our you know our fans' heads, quote unquote, that we're moving in the right direction. And I understand sometimes it's hard to see, but. I don't know how you can look at this team and yeah, the win loss wasn't what we all hoped it would be and whatever, but you see teams make these turnarounds in, in, in one to two years, like the Cardinals, like the Bengals, like, like it's a realistic possibility that the Jets take a step next year. And it all starts at the senior bowl at the combine in the off season. And honestly, it really does start the second half of the draft when you start scouting next year's prospects. So it's just, it, to me, it's ridiculous that, that people still got to spin it in a negative light when we've got nothing but praise from the people that are actually in the know. So it just doesn't make sense to me, and it'll never sit right with me because this team has put me through hell, but I've had some damn good moments with them. I I totally agree with everything you just said, man. So we don't move away from, you know, talking about the fans and the angry fans, and and let's get into into this this thing. We're going to stay with the Senior Bowl for right now. And you and I talked offline in pre-production. We kind of threw out, you know, four or five names of uh, guys that we both liked and guys that we both feel like we want the Jets to grab. Or, you know, we feel like if the Jets grab them, they would really help what we have going on. So we're uh, we're going to get into that. The first one up is a pretty massive individual uh, out of Northern Iowa, Trevor Penny. Now, as we can see here, like, you know, we're looking at his practice from the Senior Bowl and the way he's manhandling, you know, different people and the way he's manhandled people, you know, period, throughout his career. Um, I really like this kid. Like, I know you, you've you been a staunch supporter of his, and we've been talking about these kids, you know, since what, week eight, ten maybe of the season, probably earlier. Um, yeah, listen, every mock draft I've done early on and before, you know, the season and everything had Trevor Penning in the fourth, fifth round. Now we're talking about him as a guy that benefited from the senior bowl. And we're talking about this guy, and I've seen, you know, the rumor mill, quote unquote, about him potentially being pick number ten. Massive individual, six foot five, pushing over three hundred pounds. The the, the 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 talk about him all week was he finishes blocks. He has a chip on his shoulder because he's from a, a a smaller school, and, and he's getting into it with some uh, with some of these guys. So you know, overall, it's it, it, it he's an interesting prospect. You can see on the video right here, the dude finishes blocks. Obviously, you can just see how massive he is because number twenty. I, I'm not too familiar with who he is, believe it or not. But, you know, he's not a small individual. But Penning is just a massive man. Like, th- when you look at him, uh, maybe a good comp his size is maybe a Teron Armstead because Teron is gigantic. So he's just finishing his blocks, manhandling his guys, you know. And, and, and look at that. I mean, he's just pancaking guys in, in practice. So, you know, overall an exciting prospect. I think 10 would be a little rich for him. But I can certainly see him on the, uh, you know, going for, you know, in the early teens, maybe late teens into, you know, the back end of the first, maybe the top of the second. But if you want to talk about a guy who made himself money at the senior bowl, this is why you go. This is why you accept that invitation when it comes in the mail. So this is just a perfect example of a guy that's rising now. And now if he participates in the combine, we could really be talking about a, a top 16 pick in the NFL draft. 
yeah. Um, I agree, man. Like he he did earn himself some money, and like if you go back and look at like some of his tape, man. Um, I think the one game that I looked at that really just got me on board was uh, this year against Southern Illinois. Um, if you give you folks get a chance to go back and look, Northern Iowa versus Southern Illinois, dude is a monster, man. Um, what I like about him that he's he he's good, you know, in the passing sets. Um, he's got. He's not the quickest, but I mean, six seven. Who's gonna be, the, you know? But he has good lateral movement. Um, his his bend isn't as great, but he, he's he's tough. He plays with a high level uh, IQ. Um, I think he's a good athlete overall, and whoever gets it, getting a good, you know, a good tough kid to anchor that line. Would you? Would you? Where do you see him, right or left? I think, given his size, how big he is, his kick set, you know, whatnot, I, I think he's a left tackle. Now, I don't think he's the best left tackle in the draft, but I, I think there's very few pure left tackles that we can look at and be like, okay, that's going to be the guy to, to anchor the offensive line on that left side for the next 10 years. I think he potentially could be one of those guys. He still has plenty of work to do in his in his pass sets. His run sets, we didn't get to really see too much, but, you know, some of those reps he was doing, he was, you know, working down the line, So and, and he was pancaking guys. So, you know, it, there's, there's a lot to be desired there, but for sure, I think he's a left tackle at, at the next level. And, and you know what? At, it, we're at this level in the NFL where left tackle is equally as important as right tackle sometimes. I understand, obviously, it's the blind side or whatever, but nowadays teams have two good edge rushers. So having a good right tackle and a good left tackle is paramount in keeping your quarterback on his feet. So I, I think he's a pure left tackle at the next level, but there's a lot of work to be done. I agree. Now, I mean, I, I could see somebody, you know, in need, you know, throwing in there, but I do see, you know, maybe if somebody had, like, say say the Rams, for instance, right? Say if he drops to the back end of the first round, do they even have a first round pick this year? No. They don't have one for, like, the next two years. Okay. Well, somebody in the back end who, who needs a left tackle eventually, you know, when somebody's got one or two years left, um, I could see them grabbing his kiss, putting him on the right side, you know, getting him acclimated to the game or whatever, and, and, and doing it like that. But, yeah, I, I do agree. He's he's made himself some money. Um, our left tackle situation is, is in great shape. Um, and I think our right tackle situation will be depending on um, – Depending on what happens with uh, with Makai Beckton, but um, I really do believe that uh, this kid will, will, will be pretty good uh, coming out, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing what he does. Now, up next. Up next, we got this guy, Maje Sanders, out of uh, Cincinnati. Now, where do you see him going, Matt? 
Back end of the second easily. I, I I think back end of the second would be would be the easiest place to to, to mock him. His stats weren't that great this year. Two and a half sacks, but he's a big body, and you can see the technique there. He has pretty good hand movement, but he just needs to learn to bend a little bit more. But I think the problem he has is that he's so big. He's six foot five, two sixty. That he you know he could have a little bit of trouble. But you know, get him in there with a guy who knows how to you know develop defensive ends and, and edge rushers. And I, I, I really do think that we're talking about a guy, maybe he's not, maybe he's not a, uh, you know, big sack guy to begin with, but you know, two, three years of development down the line, we could be looking at potentially eight, nine sacks. So overall, I just think that back end second would be the most ideal position for him. Sorry for the dog barking in the background. <laughs> hey man. Hey, you know, we're, we're all at home, man. We, we gotta do, what we gotta do. No, no problem at all. But uh, so, like he he's a four three, four three uh in weak side in I believe, uh, is where I have him, um, and I wouldn't be mad if if we picked him second round, unless you know uh, unless we we you know say we talked early offline about free agency with Daniel Hunt or something like that. I don't think that would be a good move in a second. But say if we missed out on all these targets, trade targets we tried to go for, and uh, a guy that we talk, we'll talk about a little later, uh, Thibodeau, we miss out on the Thibodeaus and Aiden Hutchinson and all of them, I wouldn't be mad at his pick, you know, in the second round, especially with, um, you know, Salah's reputation for develop, you know, developing players. We, we saw what he did with four or five different guys you know, in, in San Francisco. So I wouldn't mind having him. I think the guy has good explosiveness. Um, I like his first, his first step is pretty quick. Um, but, but, you know, like you said, I, I don't see him just coming out being immediately, you know, nine, 10, 11 sack guy, but I do think he could, you know, disrupt and, and, you know, make some noise and, and get, get some plays, you know what I'm saying? Maybe five, six sacks or whatever. And and become a, a huge piece, rotational piece starting out um with the team. So I, I like it, man. He's he's a, a tall fella. Amari says he's he's what what did he I call mean, it? He has the size to play the position. It's about the technique at this point. It's about the bend. It's about can he can he transition to that that role. And I, I do think he can and I and honestly watching the the, the college football playoff he gave evan neal a little bit of a tough time he gave that alabama offensive line a little bit of a tough time so i don't think it's a question of of you know does he have the size can he make that jump i think it's he needs to just be coached up a little bit i i, I don't you know and, and we like you said you alluded to sala worked with some of the best you know young guys over there with the 49ers you got eric armstead the forrest buckner i think he worked with you got uh, nick bosa for that year so you got some of these guys that he worked with so overall, it's like you, you know Salah's going to be able to get the most out of some of these guys. It's just let him go go out there. And, and like you said, if you can't get an Aiden Hutchinson, you can't get a Thibodeau, you can't get a, a Karloftis, go get that second-tier guy, so to speak, and, and, and develop him. And if Salah believes he could develop him, I have full confidence he can. So that, that's just my take on it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, I'm going to tell you what else I like about this kid. He, he has shown versatility to line up on the left. And right side, so I mean he could be moved around and 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 
you know, become a a a solid rotational piece again. Get, you know, his first year or two. Um, if you had a, a guy to compare him to, who would you compare him to? Oh man! For me, honestly, I got Yanni and Godquay. Honestly, when when we're talking about, and, and this might be a homer pick. This might be just because this is one of my favorite pass rushers in the in the you know in the past. It, it could very well be Denell Hunter. It could be. Just because from a size perspective, they're roughly the same. Both of them came out raw out of college. One of them from the SEC, the other one from obviously Cincinnati. But overall, it's I think that measurables and, and you know coming out of college raw, I think that's almost a perfect comp. And obviously, you know, Denell Hunter is a guy that we've wanted for years. So that's, yeah. I mean, maybe it's an easy comp, but that that's probably mine. I, I will say, though, even though he's 6'5", 260, he looks, he looks, Kind of skinny though. I think he'll have to, you know, um, he'll have to, you know, bulk up a little bit, get a little stronger. But other than that, I, I think he'll he'll be fine. Now, <clears throat> up next, we have Mr. Jalen Petrie, safety out of Baylor. Now, as as you can see, and some of you may have seen him play, um, I live in Texas, so I I I've watched a few of his games. I like this kid because he ain't scared to get in there and hit somebody. Like he will he will put a a helmet on your ass, as well as cover. So I would love to see us grab him. What you got? Love him as a prospect. I mean, all senior bowl, every practice, he was just all over the place. He was a name that you saw constantly brought up, you know, over and over again. So, I mean, just a guy that that he, he has a nose for the ball. He has no problem getting in there and hitting some people. And, and honestly, I, he probably is another guy that benefited from the senior bowl the most. So, pardon the dog again. But, anyways, he benefited from the senior bowl the most, six foot pushing, what, about 180, 190 pounds. So, overall, just a, a guy that, that really – could you know make that jump at the next level? Yeah, I mean, I like his size, six feet. Like you said, almost, almost two hundred pounds. Um, he, I think he was like gonna leave maybe the year before or something like that, and um, he he stayed with Baylor and decided not to leave, and it paid off. They hired a, a what was the guy's name? Um, Dave Aranda, and he was under Dave Aranda the past two seasons, and he, uh, he, he, in my opinion, he uh, really flourished. Um, I, I see. I think he has the potential to be uh, a hybrid type of player, kind of like how we we all unilaterally here at the flight deck view uh, Michael Carter the second. You can play him in safety, play him in nickel, you know, move him around all over the defense, and and the kid can make plays both with his hands and with his helmet. So I would love, love, love to uh to see him as a Jet. Where uh where do you see him him going as far as in the draft? Uh 
It's tough because I could see him maybe sneaking into the second. I mean, before the senior bowl, again, this is one of those guys that benefited from the senior bowl. Before before the senior bowl, I saw him third, fourth round prospect. We could easily be talking about a guy who's going in the mid to second second round. I mean, safety is a relatively, I don't want to say deep position, but it, it is quite a few prospects. The Lewis uh, scenes of the world, the Jaquan Briskers of the world. I think, you know, Petrie has that, that hybrid ability, like you alluded to, about the whole Michael Carter potentially playing, you know, nickel cornerback or safety. So I think this is a guy that you can easily see sneaking into the second round. Uh, first round is probably a little too rich, but you could definitely see him see him sneaking into the second round, and probably the, the third or fourth would be would be where I would think he would go. But, you know, we, we've seen, you know, Antoine Winfield a couple of years ago go in the second round, and, and he's turned into an absolute stud for the Buccaneers. And, you know, that kind of is kind of my comp, too, when it comes to him. Antoine Winfield's, you know, coverage ability was very good coming out, and he's, he's he can play the deep third. So I think I think Petrie could sneak into that second round, but third or fourth might be, you know, the sweet spot for him. And, and listen, the Jets, I, I would have no problem if I was the Jets taking him in the second round if he was there and you felt that, that he would fill that safety role. But overall, yeah, third or fourth would be the hot spot for me. Yeah, I, I think – I think with the combination of the season he had added with the senior bowl, I think if he has a strong combine, a strong um, pro day, I think he can work himself into that back in second round, early, you know, early third. Well, the, the most important drill for him will be the backpedal, you know, the, the, the backpedaling drill, the 40-yard dash. Does he have the makeup speed to play safety at the next level? Does he have the, the, the feet, the footwork to, to, to backpedal and, and cover, you know, that slot receiver? Or, you know, how, how would he do, you know, fair against, you know, tight ends? He's a bigger body. He's listed at six foot, you know, which is yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty sizable. So, you know, can he cover the, the you know, can he cover the tight ends in, in, in spread formations and, and whatnot? But the combine, again, like the, if the senior bowl potentially worked him up into that third round, I can only imagine him running a four, you know, a four, three, five, you know, and, and jumping into that second round easily. I think four, four better gets him in to the second round. Cause I mean, you're, there's always that one guy. See, yeah. I mean, you can see, you know, he has that, that speed. Um, but then you add the fact that, you know, he's he's a springy type of guy. He has, uh, you know, I, I personally think, you know, his lateral movement, lateral twitches is, is impressive. Um, and, you know, he has a relentless motor, when, especially when he's recognizing the plays, you know. So you add all of that together, man. That 4-4 better, I, I think it'll slide him into that back end second. Top ten, third. Yeah, I, 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 without a doubt. So up next, we got everybody's guy, everyone's mock draft warrior, Mister Mr. Trey McBride, Colorado State tight end. Now, I listen, man. I have seen so many write-ups in, in conversations where this guy has been tagged, pegged the next Travis Kelsey. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's that that's that's some huge shoes to fill, dog. You know, <laughs> we, 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 talking, we talking about a tight end who puts up wide receiver numbers 
top ten wide receiver numbers year after year for the last five, six years. So those are some huge shoes to fill, man. But I mean, the, the kid got juice. Don't get me wrong. What what did he have this year? Ninety two balls, I believe. No, he had over a thousand receiving yards, like ninety ninety two to ninety five catches and like ten touchdowns, I believe. So, you know, what? Let, let let me look it up because I I don't I don't want to be I don't want to be wrong about this. But, but I, know, I, I I think I got it. Ninety receptions. Oh, I lied. I thought he had ten touchdowns. That was yeah, his like average two yards. I'm sorry. Nine ninety receptions, eleven hundred yards, only a touchdown. Average. I looked at the average when I said ten. Uh, average uh, yards per reception was about twelve and a half. Okay, so he's a chain on Colorado. He's 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 a chain mover, uh, and it, as you can see, you know, he he can be a matchup nightmare, man. Uh, honestly, I would I would love for them to take this guy. I, I like him, man. <clears throat> he he plays, he plays with attitude. He plays with heart. He plays fast. He plays strong. You know, he can catch. I've seen him knock people blocks off. I like it, and I would I would take him sec- our first pick in the second round if need be. What you got? If he's even still there, if we're being honest, I mean, if he's even still there, I, he's a layup pick. I mean. He was listed at 6'4", 260. I mean, I know that the, the, the comp to Kelsey is kind of a little bit of a lazy comp, in my opinion, only because, you know, we're talking about probably the best tight end in football or top two tight end, three tight end in football. But I, I think a more a, a more reasonable comp, if you're going to compare him to one of these superstar tight ends, would probably be Kittle because Kelsey's blocking ability is not nearly what Kittle's blocking ability is. McBride will put his nose in there. He'll, he'll you know, block down downfield. Uh, he'll open up some lanes for the running back, seal the edge. You know, whatever you want him to do, he's going to do. But he also has sure hands. And I think that's one of the things that the Jets have been lacking at the tight end position. Outside of actually having quality NFL caliber tight ends, we haven't had guys that can actually catch the ball, even when they are open. The Crofts of the world, uh, you know, whatever. It's been it's been really poor, to say the least, you know, for the Jets. So McBride would be the easiest layup pick in that second round. But I think if we're being really honest – there's going to be a team that's on that back end of the first round that has the luxury, you know, potentially the Kansas City, if they, I think they have a first round pick this year, if I'm not mistaken, potentially Kansas City, where they have that luxury of their team's already complete. They can afford to take a tight end in the first round that otherwise might have not gone in the first round. And, and McBride would probably be the guy. I don't really think there's another tight end that's kind of popped off the way he has that's, you know, just sky his stock has skyrocketed and, and and this is you know a testament also to the fact that the jets sent benton to be the coach of the team and he's the tight ends coach so he we got a first-hand look on him and, and i'm gonna be honest with you if the jet i would have no qualms if the jets decided to trade back into the first because they thought that someone was going to take mcbride from him and that's just it's as simple as that the dude's talented and he's probably listen kyle pitts was was a generational talent as a, as a, you know, a spread tight end that can catch the ball who can block, but he's not, you know, he wasn't a complete tight end. He was just a generational receiving tight end. McBride yeah. is not the athletic freak Kyle Pitts is, but he's sure-handed and he's more of a complete tight end when it comes to all aspects of being a tight end and blocking and receiving. So I can see if the Jets were to get him, I could see him using similar, you know, those little tight end screens, those underneath tight end, you know, kind of draws Kansas City uses for Kelsey. Yeah. I I would have no problem taking him in the second round. I ultimately I think that's where he's gonna end up going. 
So let me ask you this. <clears throat> Give me one thing. If, if you had to pick one thing to hang your hat on about him that's truly impressive, what is it to you? I think his route running ability for a big guy. I mean, he's 260 pounds. He's six foot four. He's not a tiny guy by any means, but he runs some pretty good routes. And that's, a, and again, it's, I said it's a lazy comparison because it is, because Kelsey is, have, we've all seen Travis Kelsey's route running ability. He gets separation because teams are scared of his route running. They, they can't get a read on him. And I just think his route running for, for his size is very impressive. And honestly, he can, uh, it, I would have no problem lining him up as a wide receiver. Just yeah. you know, you, you you he is a nightmare for for a slot corner, and safeties you know it, it just don't stand a chance. And he's only six four. I mean, only six four is like a loose term, but his route running ability for a big guy's ability to get separation at the top of the route on, on and and he doesn't have a fear going over the middle because he is so big. So I just think the, his ability to get open you know via his his footwork and his route running is very impressive for a guy his size, especially coming out of college. He's coming out of which is Colorado, what Colorado State. Which yeah. you know, I mean, isn't renowned for very many many prospects. I think the only one I can think of is like maybe Michael Gallup, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, you know what? I, I, off the top of my head, I honestly can't remember. I gotta find out. Yeah. So while you find that out, I'm gonna give you my one impressive thing. Colorado State. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the one thing that I I love about this kid is his yak ability. Like, he catches a ball, he's going. You know, you, you, you talked about his, his route running ability, which we both agree is pretty, pretty good. Um, I like the fact that, you know, he, he tracks the ball well. He has, you know, good track ball tracking ability. Um, he fights for catches. So, you know, he, he – I think he, you know, he'll be the linebacker too, high point the ball, safety, whatever. But it's when he gets the ball in his hands, I think he's really special. Uh, you know, he'll he'll outrun the linebacker. Uh, he'll bulldoze a poor little safety because, like you said, guys six four, some change, two hundred sixty pounds with good speed. So he plays with, you know, you know more more we see and talk about him. The more I do agree with you. He's more Kittle than Kelsey. He'll block when he gets the ball in his hands. He, he's violent with it, and he'll bulldoze you. And he's like, a yak you. monster, like you said. Uh, yeah, he, he's gonna get that those those yards out to catch. So I think that's like the most impressive thing for me about this kid. And again, I can't say this enough. I would take him if he's still sitting there uh, with the, the 35th pick. I think so. We got 35th, 38, whatever it is. I think both. I would, I would, yeah, it is both. I would take it with one of the two. Uh, before we move off of him, I got one more question for you concerning the tight ends. And again, later on down the line, we will talk about it. But if you just had to pick one, you had your option to, to pick one between Wiedemeyer, Likely, McBride, and Rucker. Who are you taking? Well, I, I really do feel like we're talking about different. I think it's hard to make that decision. I think for me, everyone knows how I feel about Rucker. I mean, he came from, you know, my area out here. He went to uh, went to Lindenhurst, which is, you know, maybe 30 minutes away from me. Um, 
kid special and was underutilized at, at Ohio State. Uh, I think McBride's my favorite. I think he's the most complete of, of the tight ends because we, we were able to see every aspect of the game. So I think McBride would be would be my pick strictly on the basis that we saw improvement every year. He got the targets because he was pretty much the only option. I mean, it's no coincidence that he's putting up 90 receptions at Colorado State where I can't even name another player outside of Michael Gallup, who was drafted a couple of years ago. So for me, it's a, it, it has to be McBride. And then, you know, followed by Ruckert, not only because he's a hometown guy, but because I, I think he was underutilized in that offense because it's Ohio State. And Ohio State turns out wide receivers, you know, like they're nothing. All right. So I think we had uh, we we had one more guy to talk about, and I, I think I think you brought him up, uh, Jeremy Rucker. Yeah. Now I I do personally like like Rucker. Um, it's something about those guys who catch passes at Ohio State, except for. Uh, who was that we drafted in the second round? Uh, Devin Smith. That, yeah, like yeah, that was uh, that that was a wasted pick, but that was a stupid pick. We're, we're, we're past that. Hurt. We're past that. He was always hurt in, in college, anyways. So you know that that that's neither here nor there. But yeah, um, I do like I do like Rucker. I think he has he has good size. I think um, he's bigger than McBride. Yeah, he's he's a big kid. Um, the only thing, and, and you alluded to it, was was his usage, and like he he shown he was shown to be like inconsistent throughout the year to me, and I think a lot of that had to do with uh, his his usage. You know, I was gonna say, is it he's being inconsistent or he's inconsistently used? Yeah, and and, and that's that's a million dollar question, man. Like I I would I I probably would would go back and look at you know at least eight to ten of their games myself before we do the the tight end conversation sometime this off season to, to really just look at him and see is it that or or is it just you know. He, he wasn't that, you know, uh, consistent with his own play, with his, with his own actions. Um, like, I think his route tree is limited. Um, and, again, that could be they're just not using him, you know, to, to run certain routes like we've seen with McBride and we've seen with Isaiah Likely and so on and so forth. Um, but, I mean, he – his season was decent. You know, the 11 I mean, games, he had 26 catches, uh, 309 yards, and three TDs. But this also Ohio State that he wasn't used a whole lot, too. So. When, when, you, when your university is churning out wide receivers at the pace Ohio State has for the last three years, we're talking about, obviously, we got Garrett Wilson Olave this year. We've had Michael Thomas the last couple of years. We've had uh, – I'm sure I'm forgetting a whole bunch of names, but you know, nonetheless, when, when, when your, your offense is so wide receiver centric that you're you're turning out these professional wide receivers every year, and, uh, and you also got Smith uh, Smith and Jigba 
uh, next year, who's already looked looked at as a as a first round pick. So it's like when you're turning these guys out, someone's got to lose some reps. And I just think that that it's unfortunate that Ruckert was a guy to lose reps because I remember you know three years ago when he was being or four years ago when he was being recruited and he had scholarships to everywhere. He could have went to the real tight end U of of Notre Dame or Iowa if he really wanted to, and probably would have seen a lot more reps. So I do think that he was just underutilized. I don't think it's a talent thing. And and, and to be really honest with you. I don't even think his route tree is that limited. I just think that it hasn't been developed because Ohio State really runs a lot of, you know, deep posts or, or nine routes. It's a, it's a lot of that. It's crazy to me, though, that, that they run a lot of those, you know, under, either, you know, simple underneath routes, screen plays, nine routes or deep posts where it's like the guys like Olave and Garrett Wilson, the two guys that I really love this year, their route running is ridiculous. But you also got to take into account they're smaller guys. They're six foot. You know, I think they're both listed at six foot. I think maybe Olave, maybe six foot one. But, you know, Rucker, I mean, route running, it, it, that we just kind of alluded, uh, alluded to it with McBride, is that, like, it's very impressive, his route running, because most tight ends, it takes two or three years for them to get the route running down and to really develop in the NFL. That's why it was so shocking what Kyle Pitts did in his first year, because he came out and he, he had a Pro Bowl season. So it's just like, you know, it, it's tough. But nonetheless, I think Rucker is probably – you know, he's, he's easily, a, I would say, a, a fourth round, maybe a third round prospect, probably more four to five. Um, and, and honestly, he's another guy where it's like it just you get this feel that that he's going to be a jet. And I don't think I've ever felt that way, you know, a lot about prospects. But I, I just think given I'm not going to say he's going to pull an Eli Manning or something like that, but his dad's a huge Jets fan. Dude, kids from, you know, Long Island, New York, Nassau County. I mean, we've seen the pictures of him. We've seen the photo, the photo, so it just yeah. seems like someone's someone's vying for that. And honestly, I wouldn't be against it strictly because I it's not a oh draft him because he's a Jets fan. It's it's a draft him because he's a, a talented guy. He's six foot five, two sixty, and he was underutilized, so his legs are still fresh. And honestly, another unsung part of his his, his you know repertoire is that he's a hell of a blocker. Uh, I was waiting on that. He is a hell of a blocker. He was asked to block. Far more. I mean, not for nothing. Ohio State has has Stroud, who I think is going to be a, a superstar quarterback, first pick in the draft next year, without a doubt. I think it's a lock. But Ruckert was asked to do a lot. He was asked to block a lot in a, in a very pass-heavy offense. So when he was on the field, teams knew they were running the ball. So no wonder he's not getting targets. And when he when yeah. when when he was on the field, spread out, they were passing to to Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, and Olave. So it's like. Underutilized is probably the, the, the key word when talking about record and the fourth and fifth round would be it would be a home run pick. It would be easily if he was utilized right, he would be a second round pick. Yeah. The, the one thing that I, I did notice about him, you know, uh maybe the three games that I actually watched, he uh he has a mean streak when it comes to block dog. And like smaller guys who just happen to just fall in front of him, get in front of him. He he mauls him, dog. He's like, you know, bodily manhandles it and it really gets after him and, and you know he, he kills him what we call a professional. We call him kind of a professional before he's a professional. Because professionals are asked to do some things maybe they don't want to do. And blocking typically is that thing when it comes to tight ends. But he's a professional before a professional because he's doing the dirty work that, that most professionals don't really want to be messing around with. I agree. So there were, you know, a few other guys at, at the at the Senior Bowl um, that that we saw, and, and 
and two of them, actually a, a few of them, uh, you know, made it name. Huh? Yeah. No, go on. A, a few. A few of them, you know, made names themselves, um, but none so much, none much more than, than the quarterbacks that, you know, we saw there. Um, and there, there were, you know, four, four quarterbacks in particular, maybe five, but before who, who really, um, who really made a name for themselves or, or increased their names and their value, um, this this uh, senior bowl and, and this offseason. And all four of those guys are, are what we call it on the rise. So you and I talked pre-production again about these these guys, the quarterback, and none of us, no folks, we're not we're not looking at quarterbacks for us. This is not what this this part of the, the, the podcast and conversation is about. What this is about is how these guys have made moves for themselves, made a name for themselves, increased their value, and how that increase in their value will affect us and how we draft or possibly move around in the draft. So let's talk about it, Matt. Which we so right now, as you guys can see, we have Kenny Pickett out of Pitt, we have Matt Corral, Ole Miss, Sam Howell, North Carolina, and um, Malik out of uh, Liberty. Out of these four guys, which one do you think will affect? us the most, potentially affect us the most. <sighs> okay, so this isn't necessarily me saying which one I think is going to be the best. This isn't me saying, you know, any anything like that. I think the one that's going to affect us the most is Pickett. Um, I think strictly because there have already been rumors circling about the Panthers being in love with Pickett. Um, th- th- there's been a lot of, you know, buzz around him being potentially QB1 for a lot of teams and whatever. I mean, if it was me, if I was a team in need of a quarterback, I think Malik Willis is probably the, the most talented and, and probably the guy that could potentially translate better to the NFL than anyone else. Um, but I think Pickett would be the guy strictly because I think the Panthers are in the, you know, I think they are in the market for the quarterback. And I think it's just more or less they're in a weird position right now because they decided to go corner last year and not address the offensive line. So they could be looking to do that. But um, Listen, man, if the Jets find themselves in a position at pick four where the guy that they want, the, let's say the Kayvon, the Aiden, the, the, the Evan Neal, or, you know, uh, the Ekem, it, it isn't there. The guy that they were number one on, you know, at their pick isn't there. We can find ourselves in a position where a team like the Panthers could be coming up to ensure they get their quarterback. We would be looking at potentially the Steelers. He plays at Pitt. Pittsburgh is, you know, their quarterback just retired. You have uh, the, the the commanders are going to be in the market for a quarterback. You have the Broncos in the market for a quarterback. So I think Pickett's the guy, not my personal favorite, not the guy I like, but I think that he's the guy that can most impact us when it comes to draft positioning and moving around in the draft. So, I mean, you got you got Pickett, 6'3", 220. What did he throw, 42 touchdowns maybe? Um, yeah, yep. 42. Yeah. Uh, 67% passing, 4,300 yards. 
Now, right now, he's projected to be a top 10 pick by a lot of people. Um, and like you said, we're sitting at four. We're sitting at 10. My biggest hope is that both Pickett and Willis have outstanding, you know, outstanding offseason the rest of this 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 uh, offseason with the, the pro day, with the combine, with, with all of that. And I would not be mad if we traded out of four or if somebody wanted to go up to 10 to get, get Willis or if somehow pick it, you know, slid and somebody wants to take him at 10 because they're worried now. Like, I would love for that to happen for us. Even though, you know, we've done mock drafts and all of that, and I got uh, Traylon Burks as, as number 10 on probably 95% of the mocks that I've done. But I would trade out of that in a heartbeat because of the how deep this draft is and certain positions of need for us. What you think, I have no qualms. The only the only way I'm sticking sticking at four is if I'm convinced that I that that first of all, if I have some sort of trade lined up for George Fant, or you know, if I have some type of move for George Fant, I really do feel that that Ekem could be the left tackle of the future, or Becton's going to be healthy, and I'll put Ekem at the right side. It's the only way I'm going to stand still at, at four is if if I have a move lined up for Fant, or if one of the edge guys, Aiden or Kayvon, falls there. If neither of that happens. I think the trade-out's the easiest. I think the problem is going to become who's looking to trade up. We just listed some of those teams. We don't obviously know who's high on what quarterback. The only rumor I've really seen, the rest of speculation, is that Pickett could be the guy for the Panthers. And obviously we know the Panthers have our former quarterback. They also have Cam, both of which looked absolutely atrocious this year. So I, I just think that that it would make a lot of sense to trade out of four if you, you determine you can't get your guy. And and I've been praying every day that Kayvon Thibodeau falls to us. I know some people are against that, um, you know, him as a prospect, you know, lack of motivation was a story that came out, you know, to play football and whatnot. But if it's not him, then I don't I don't really know. Uh, you know, I, I have no, no issues with trading out of four, to be honest with you. Yeah, so <clears throat> I see I'm looking at this and you have – you have the Panthers at the sixth pick, Broncos at the ninth pick. Now, if uh, and the Commanders at the eleventh pick. So, depending on what he does, those three teams will be willing to to jump up to four. And I honestly, again, would love for them to answer that call and say, yeah, we'll do it. Regardless of if, you know, we had a, a deal for Fan in place or, and I mean, I personally hope we keep Fan uh, and give him an extension and just however, however it works out, it works out. But um, I honestly do think that if he plays his cards right, the Jets will be the biggest winner out of this whole Kenny Pickett situation. Because we'll still we could still have you know the sixth pick or the ninth pick or pick ten and eleven you know what I'm saying and and then catch a second you know another second another first or whatever uh, depending on who it is 
So yeah, I would definitely, definitely love for that to happen for us at number four. Um, now I got, I got Sam Howell on there because he could affect us in the second round. After I don't even know about that though. Uh, I've seen a lot of people eye on him. I'm sorry. What was that? There's a lot of people that are high on Sam Howell. Like, and he didn't. He didn't hurt himself at the Senior Bowl, and he probably won't hurt himself at the Combine either. The dude's got a got a howitzer for an arm. I've seen Mox yeah. as high as him going as high as 11 to the to the Commanders. So I, I just and that's gonna take a little bit of time to get used to that that whole Washington thing. But uh, you know, nonetheless, I've seen him as high as as there. And there's a lot of people that think he's QB number one from what I've read. The guy that's gonna come, none of these guys I think are NFL ready though. I don't think that you can draft them and throw them into the fire, but there's gonna be teams that are gonna do that. Well, I also think, and you talked about the pan, excuse me, the Panthers earlier about you know them not taking the cornerback last year. I'm sorry, taking the cornerback last year and not addressing you know that line. I can also see them pulling a a similar type of Jets move, you know, kind of reverse what we did where they take a lineman at six and look to take this kid uh, second round. Oh, no, we had a second round pick. No, we have, that's what I'm saying is that the, the Panthers, I think, are in a prime position to either trade out to a team looking for a quarterback or just take a quarterback. And if you're yeah. – listen, they're going to be picking top 10 probably next year also, even though that division got weaker, obviously with Sean Payton retiring, with, with Tom Brady retiring and, and, you know, whatnot. So they could very well find themselves in a position where they win the division and they go 7-10. Seven and seven and ten. You know what I mean? Like it's like the, the division is going to fall – potentially fall off where they could find themselves having the best quarterback in that division because I, I can't uh, – uh, Taysom Hill is garbage. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think Kyle Trask is ready for the Buccaneers. So they could find themselves in a position where they're picking at 16, but they went 7-10. and 10. So you take your quarterback if it's your guy. I could also see if he falls out of the first Atlanta taking him at 43 and and letting him sit behind uh, Matt. I think Matt Ryan has a, another year of big money before, you know, maybe two – so I, I can see, I can see that happening with with him. Um, Malik Willis, I don't see him falling out of the first. So, but I don't. I also don't think somebody move up to take him fourth. We may, we may get movement, you know, for him for the tenth pick. But as far as four, I, I don't, I don't see that happening right now. Nah, and another guy we don't have visually on here right now is Desmond Ritter, who again had a really. I mean, out of all the quarterbacks, he has the size. He's six foot four, about two twenty, so he has the size. But I think the question really is the arm strength for him. And I don't think any of the guys listed are you know Pickett's kind of kind of has a noodle arm, but I don't think any of the other guys listed have have you know noodle arms. So I, I think Desmond Ritter is probably another guy that we're not mentioning that could potentially be in that mix for a top fifteen pick to one of these teams that we mentioned, Denver, Carolina, so on. But it's hard to gauge where these quarterbacks are going to go. 
it's really tough and it's still early in the process. Usually we have a better idea as we get closer to the draft as rumors start to come out. And like I said, the only early rumor I've heard so far was that Pickett was really, you know, the, the Carolina is really fond of him. So that, that's all I've really heard. And other than that, I heard Malik Willis has the strongest arm ever at the Senior Bowl because he threw some ball 70, 70 miles per hour through the air or something to that effect. So that, that bodes well. I think our hope was prior to the Senior Bowl was one of these quarterbacks comes in, they light, them, light it up. None of them really fall off the face of the earth. And I don't think any of these guys really did anything to hurt themselves. I just think maybe they didn't do anything to help themselves. But that's why the combine's here. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. So... <clears throat> You know, you, you 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 talked about like hearing things, and you know, once we get get closer to you know the season and whatnot. Um, so that 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 brings to mind like the, the different you know rumors going around. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about you know the big rumor mill going on, uh, like you said with with Willis, but the the number one rumor talk right now is about two people and those two people are, are have been linked to the Jets repeatedly one you like one you are absolutely vehemently against uh, so, but we'll start with the first one which is, is Kayvon Thibodeau um, now recently we had who was it Todd McShay yeah Todd McShay came out and he talked about Thibodeau's heart or desire to play football and, and, and all of that. How true do you think that is? Or are you or, or better yet, are you buying what, what, what he's selling? Uh if I'm a Jets fan, which I am, but if I'm a Jets fan, I'm hoping every other team's buying what's being sold except the Jets. Because it, it's no, there's no denying that he's probably been my favorite prospect since he was a freshman coming out of you know high school and going to Oregon. He's been my favorite prospect. So I'm hoping that it's it's true to 31 other teams, or I guess the three teams ahead of us. And I'm hoping the Jets don't fall for it strictly because I just think we saw what happened when how that defense in, in you know San Francisco went to the next level when they got Nick Bosa. I just think that this could have the same effect. I don't buy that that Thibodeau doesn't like or you know love football or whatever because I you know I was watching they actually did it's funny enough ESPN was doing a uh, an interview with him where they asked him about Todd McShay's comments and he kind of just shot him down he was like listen like how are you going to tell me what's in my heart my, the love for for football how are you going to tell someone whether they love something or not who's who is who to tell anyone what someone loves and listen based on what he was saying and how he was saying and his mannerisms or whatever the only conclusion i can draw because i can't tell you what he actually feels is that the dude just wants the ball he wants to be the best he can be i mean there's video of him benching i think 315 pounds which is ridiculous so it's like the dude is is a physical specimen and if it does come back that he just wants to make money hell you still got to go out there even if you are directed fourth overall if you want that second contract where you really cash in like yeah you're set for life when you get that first contract in the first round but if you want that second contract you really got to ball out if you want that 20 mil and by the time he's ready for a contract 25 mil a year you really got to ball out so i don't think it's a question of does he love football or not because i i just nothing i've seen like Nothing I've seen tells me that he doesn't. And even in that interview, they asked him what his highlight of the year was. His highlight of the year was when he was injured, and they went out there and they beat Ohio State. 
a ranked team. So I don't even I don't think it's a question of if he loves football, but I hope the other three teams, the Texans, the Lions and the Jags all think it is so that he falls right into our laps. So for those of you who may have missed this somehow, I don't know how, but you may have missed it. I'm going to read to you what what, you know, Todd McShay had to say about Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, he said, and I quote, I heard a lot about Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau, including concerns that he just doesn't play with the same fire as some other top prospects. His ceiling is high, but the floor is lower than what you want for a top five pick. And based on a handful of conversations, based off a handful of conversations, it wouldn't shock me if Thibodeau fell out of the top five. Speaking of which, it was very apparent this week that the top of the draft isn't nearly as set as it normally is at this point. Picks at the top of the first round might be a little more based on team flavor than recent years. So that was Todd McShay's take on Kayvon Thibodeau, folks. And uh, I'm personally not buying it. You take it with a grain of salt, man. Yeah. Like, we, we, we see this type of shit, it seems like, you know, year in, year out. And I guess it's just Thibodeau's turn this year. Now, another rumor that that's hot, not just rumor. I mean, we've seen it in damn it, every professional mock, speaking of the number four pick, is that the Jets are infatuated, that they really and truly love my boy from Notre Dame. I know you don't like it, but... My boy, Mr. Kyle Hamilton. Okay. Out of uh, Notre Dame. Now, so, now's my time to shine. Uh, oh, let, me, let me just read this. So, word is that just how Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, he's projected as a top 10 pick. Now, that might seem rich for safety considering it's a non premium position, but Hamilton is viewed, and this is the key part, Matt. Hamilton is viewed by some evaluators as a unicorn. Go. I don't care if you're a unicorn, you know, pissing Skittles. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me because a safety is a non-premium position. We listen. I, everyone's always like, oh, you know, well, you know, no one wants a Jamal Adams 2.0 thing. I don't give a rat's ass about Jamal Adams. I don't. Like I just like to make fun of poke fun of it. It has nothing to do with drafting, you know, him being drafted in the top ten either, because I think Jamal Adams in his time here was fine. But the reality is is that the Jets have significantly more needs. And I get it, you don't draft, you know, especially in the top five, you don't really draft for needs. You draft, you know, the best player available, i.e. when we took, you know, Quinn Williams and stuff like that. But like you don't draft a safety. I don't care if he's a unicorn. I think he's a great prospect. I think he should be in the teens at, at best. Just because it's it's a non-premium position, any team that drafts a safety in the top ten deserves to lose, and lose consistently. And we have lost a lot consistently, but we're trying to you know you know right the ship, so to speak. You don't take a safety, especially at the four pick. My hope is that a team like the Texans, where I've also seen Kyle Hamilton go, is dumb enough 
And the Texans are a pretty dumb organization, but they're dumb enough to take a safety. He could be the best safety in the NFL in three years, and it would not bother me in the slightest. It wouldn't bother me in the slightest. We we have a, I'm not going to say historic, but we have a, a quality safety free agent crop coming up. Marcus Williams, Justin Reed, Malik Hooker's out there. Jesse Bates is going to be on the market. You got all these guys, and you're sitting there telling me we're going to draft a safety at four? Meanwhile, last year we drafted Nasrul Dean, who was a converted safety. We drafted Sherwood, also a converted safety. We drafted Michael Carter, converted safety, who very well could find himself back at the safety role. We drafted Pinnock, who was a cornerback converted safety. So you're telling me that we're going to take a safety at, at, at four because we need a safety? I'm sorry. Like, I saw enough in two games from Pinnock to know that I would at least give him a chance. Ashton Davis, yeah, dude got to dude gets a you know a bad rap, but he improved every week when he came back from his injury. So it's like I'm sorry, I just can't sit there and I can't get behind this idea that we're taking a safety at four. I can't get behind the idea of taking a safety at ten, and it's just never going to be okay with me. And I've and I'm on the record for this. Amari's on the record for this. If we take a safety at four, I am you know renouncing my fandom, and I'm going to and it sucks because they're in the Super Bowl, but I'm going to go to the Bengals because I like the Bengals. But you don't see teams, you do not see teams that are in the Super Bowl drafting a safety in the first round, especially not that high. You just don't. Quality safeties are found second round, third round, fourth round, et cetera. Jesse Bates was, I think, a fourth or fifth rounder. Uh, he's going to be free agent, all pro safety. Malik Hooker was a first round pick, never lived up to expectations. Calvin Pryor, first round pick, didn't live up to expectations. Jamal Adams, argument could be made, didn't live up to you know expectations. Uh, Those did. are three first round, but I'll tell you, Ant, you know who lived up to expectations because he was drafted in the second round? Antoine Winfield. Marcus Williams, I don't even think, was drafted in, in, in the first three rounds. Justin Reed was a second round pick or a third round pick. So you you show me a safety that was drafted in the first round, and I'll show you a team that probably sucks. Well, <clears throat> being that I am a, a super huge Notre Dame fan, I uh I will not be mad at this. Now, I say that with with certain certain concessions. Like if in free agency we addressed pass rush, we addressed cornerback, and we addressed uh say trading for another wide receiver, and you know, we talked about uh Amari Cooper and we talked about DJ Moore offline or whatever. If we address those three spots, I would not be particularly mad at Kyle Hamilton at 10. I, I just wouldn't be. All right. All right, hold on. Uh, I came prepared for this conversation. I, I came prepared for this with some 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 backup. Because I've seen a lot of comparison. Obviously, the unicorn comparison would make you believe, like, this is going to be, like, what, a Ronnie Lott type guy, Ed Reed type guy, Troy Palomalu, like, generational safety type guy, right? So so here's some some, some stats to, to combat. And, and any Jets fans that are against the safety top four, here are some, some things to use to combat any, any geniuses out there telling you to take a safety. Um, first and foremost, no team since 1991 who drafted a safety in the top 15 has won a Super Bowl with that player on the roster. No team since 1991. That's, uh, what, 30, 31 years ago, give or take, right? How? What is the record of a team that drafted a safety in the top 10 
with that player on the roster. Oh, uh, funny you ask. 242 wins, 284 losses. That's a .46 win percentage. Um, pretty, you know, uh, clearly that safety is making an impact, you know, significantly more important than, you know, the edge rusher getting 13 and a half sacks, you know, a year or 15 and a half sacks, 20, 20, you know, look at TJ Watkins, 22 sacks, you know, in the year. So, yeah, clearly safety is more important to that than having, you know, quality depth at your wide receiver position, a quality starting off at the line, you know, stuff like that needs that, you know, the Jets kind of need. Um, let's, uh, okay. Ravens with Ed Reed versus without Ed Reed, 50 and 46 with Ed Reed. That was prior to the Joe Flacco era. That is a 0.521 win percentage. No Super Bowls. Oh, funny. They got their quarterback and they won a Super Bowl. It's weird how that works. Ed Reed was not nearly as impactful to winning and losing instead of having a franchise quarterback. So why wouldn't you do everything in your power to make sure your franchise quarterback is set up for the future? Let's see. I think that we are all willing to take that chance on Kyle Hamilton not wearing a gold jacket at the end of his his career. Because at the end of the day, he doesn't impact the wins or losses of this team more than the quarterback, which touches the ball every play of the game. And there's just nothing that anyone can say that's going to combat that. And when you have the free agent crop that I already listed off, the Reed, the Bates, Marcus Williams, even Marcus May coming back, you just you, you can't take that chance with those stats. It's just not not a viable draft pick. It's There's no justification for it. Even if you don't sign a safety in free agency, you got Jaquan Brisker, Louis Seen, you got Petrie we've discussed already. These guys are death pieces. Antoine Winfield, Jesse Bates were drafted later on in the draft. You can't take a non-premium player at a premium pick. And I just listed off a bunch of reasons why. Man, I wish Amari was here so he could lose his shit too. Well, me and Amari are have a pact. If you know you were supposed to grow your hair out because uh, Feeney never made his, uh, you know, starting. Uh, he wasn't the starting guy coming out. No, yeah, my pact is not anymore. If they draft Kyle Hamilton at four, I am not a Jets fan because you might I, as well I'm just move on. It's it's a mullet wig. I, I can't grow my hair out until mullet. All right, so i'm not gonna even you know stew on, on the whole cow helmet thing because i know how how you guys are just i like these features i know yeah I, I know how you guys are, are adamantly against having him but what i do want you to talk about though uh speaking of rumors is uh the rumors that you you know that were talked about with joe douglas and uh, uh, Trevor Penning. So some reports came out that, uh, and again, this is all hearsay, but you can kind of see Joe Douglas was working with the offensive line group a lot, like a lot. But I just don't, you know, from what I was reading, they love he loves Trevor Penning enough to even potentially pick him at, at ten if he wanted to. Now, do I think that's a viable thing? No, because. We already have two tackles, but if Joe, uh, I think that taking a guy like Penning, taking a guy like Cross, one of these tackles, is admitting defeat on your first draft as a professional GM, and I just don't think he's willing to do that because we saw Denzel Mims was still on the roster. We saw a lot of these guys were still getting chances, but I just think that Penning is a guy that they love, that if he somehow slipped to that second round, which we don't know because this draft, this top 10 isn't set, this first round isn't set. But if he somehow found his way into that second round, we could be looking at, you know, uh, 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 Nicholas Petet Fier. Uh, or Trevor Pe- Trevor Penning as a as a guy that they take just in case as kind of a 
not a consolation prize, but as insurance for if Becton can't find a way to get in shape and whatnot. And I think Douglas is, will be the first to tell you he's adamant to give up on his, his draft picks. I mean, LaMichael Piran, all his draft picks were on the roster this year, except, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think almost all of them were, but, um, you know, he's adamant to give up on his draft picks. And, and I just think that taking Penning at 10 would be an admission that he failed on Becton. And I just don't see that as, as something he'd do, but I wouldn't discount the rumor because I do think that if you can get a guy who you think is an upgrade at that left tackle position or that right tackle position, if he's more of a natural right tackle that, or they deem he's more of a natural right tackle, even though I think he's a left, you just do it. And you don't, you don't think twice, which again, this, this whole idea that you're going to take Penning, who is playing a premium position, but you're going to sit there and turn around and take Hamilton at four, who doesn't play a premium position. It doesn't add up. So I just think if they take Penning, great. I, I'm not against it, but I, I think that it would be an admission of, of a failure as his, you know, of his first draft class, which I just don't think would be the case. But it might have legs. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we we saw you know still shots and see footage of JD with a keen eye on offensive line. And let me just say, since we're talking about him and, and offensive line, to Jody's credit. Uh, he has really, in my opinion, attacked the offensive line and tried to get it better, um, which he said he would do from day one. Now, it hadn't worked out 100%, but he has he has made solid moves towards you know improving the line, and I do give him credit for that. Uh, one more rumor that, that you brought up to me. Um, in pre-production is something that was said about Trey McBride, which we, you know, talked about him earlier. What's what's the rumor you hear on him? Uh, ben loves him. He's a dog. Is, is his words? He's going to go after and, and get every single ball. And I just think that that Benton was right there at the Senior Bowl. He was coaching these guys up, albeit as kind of a head coach CEO role where he's overlooking everything, making sure everything's going good. But when you're a position coach like he is, you always have a keen eye for for those guys of your position. And I just think that that Benton wouldn't make a comment like that about a prospect that we all love. I I think universally he's one of the only prospects Jets fans really love and and will take in every mock draft known to man. And Benton just – he was saying he's a dog, man. And, and I think when it comes straight from the source, you can't really question it. And I just think that this would be one of those cases where can we get that second year of lucking into a premium prospect that that we all think is going to be successful? Last year was, what, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, guys that easily could have went higher than they were drafted. I mean, we were clamoring for, for the Jaguars to take – we thought Jaguars were going to take Elijah Moore ahead of us in the second round. We thought he could have went to the Jaguars after Kadarius Toney went to the Giants because we all knew you got to get your guy a, a, a weapon. So can we somehow find a way to luck into McBride falling to that second round for us? And and I think if he's do if he's at the combine and he shows out, especially with that those route running drills, those those over the shoulder deep ball, you know, drills, the 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 uh, the gauntlet drill. If he shows out, he runs a I would say a sub four six, maybe you know, I mean, I, I don't think he's the fastest guy, so maybe four seven. But if he goes out there and he shows up and he puts some, you know, you know, bench press reps with, there's absolutely no reason to think he won't. Then we could be talking about him on the back end first. I mean, last year a guy that was drafted, uh, Pat Fryermuth, we were, I was a, a fan of him coming out of Penn, Penn State, and he he rose up the draft boards. He was seen as, you know, a potential back end first round. I think he went in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Steelers traded up for him. 
So this is just another case where it's like McBride's going to somehow potentially be on that back end first, top of the second, and the team's going to come up looking for him. And I pray to God the Jets just take him if he's there. Same way they took Elijah Moore. It was the easier. We questioned it last year, and now we ain't questioning it anymore. So this could just be another case of let's get McBride in here if he's there because it's a steal. Man, Pat Frymuth, he really came on towards the second half of the season. Like Steelers he, always been all tight ends. He he finished out, you know, strong. 60 catches, what, uh, 500 yards, 7 TDs. You know, every time he touched the ball, you know, the crowd would chant, you know, Muth or whatever. So I, I would love, again, I said it earlier, I would love, you know, Trey McBride. Love it. Without question. Um. So, you know, we 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 went through you know quite a bit today. We only had an intention of just hopping on you know 30, 40 minutes or so. But you know, we as passionate as as we are and really love this shit, it, it kind of goes longer than than normal. Uh, but yeah, man. So we got a lot of you know things coming up. This off season is long, so you know we, we we're planning a lot of different things. Um, uh, I think we're going to do like you know different positions, conversation of me, you know, tight end, cornerback, safety. Uh, we're going to do like uh, you know draft breakdowns, some ideal uh, ideal free agency stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're going to tackle free agency. Um, we're going to tackle, you know, trade talks and things like that. Uh, I think we're actually going to go live and do a, a a mock draft. I think that'll be cool. Something to, uh, you know, do with, with the people watching. But, yeah, we got a lot of things coming up, folks. And, you know, for those of you who have, have rocked with us heavy since the beginning, um, with the audio, I'm, I'm hoping that you continue to rock with us and, uh, you know, one of the things I, that we would like to do is start inviting some of you guys on to, to, to chop it up with us as well. Um, whether you Get disagree, yeah, disagree, agree, or whatever, I think that'd be you know some fun to to add because you know the Jets fans we see in these different groups of chats are not monolithic, so I would love to see that happen. But yeah, man, a lot of exciting stuff coming up this offseason. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, plenty to dive into. Jets have a bunch of cap, bunch of picks. There was a, a listing that came out not too long ago listing the Jets as the, the the top team to make big splash moves. And I think the one thing Jets fans could hang their head on is the Super Bowl. I mean, really, look at the Bengals. Look at how far they've come. I mean, it, it, we talk about this five- to seven-year plan to turn around a franchise, but the reality is, is you don't need five to seven years. You need two to three in a franchise quarterback. And honestly, I don't even think two to three is enough. I think one to two is more than enough. Last year was the first year you you hit a home run this season. We could be looking at a potential wild card team. I'm not going to sit there and anoint us, you know, a division winner because Buffalo is going to reign supreme with Josh Allen for the next couple of years for sure. But you, you Jets, Jets fans can hang their head on, on the Bengals and, and how far they've come, even in spite of having kind of the worst offensive line in football. I, I agree. Um, yeah. I do think we have another strong draft and a strong, you know, off season as far as free agency goes. This team can really turn it up. I mean, because hell, look at the season we just had, man. We we were, 
you know, we were honestly, a couple we, defensive stops away from three more wins. Yeah, like we were, we could have had a, a seven win team. So they get in there and address the, the gaping holes that we got on defense and get Zach another weapon or two and, you know, improve the line a little more. We, we could do something. It may not be Cincinnati big, but, you know, I take a wild card in solid second year, hands down. Yep. Without question. Especially in the format the NFL is, is imposing on the playoffs. Yeah. It, yes, indeed. So, any closing remarks, Matt? No, uh, looking forward to uh, what we got coming up in store. I know we're going to probably uh, try. We, we have some heated heated debates in the chat, so I'm sure we could probably bring that to the live stage and uh, show show some of uh, our, our disagreements internally, so to speak, about, you know, prospects, things that, you know, things that we think directions of the, uh, the team and whatnot. So I'm excited. Got a lot planned yeah. for the future. Same. So with that being said, man, uh, as always, folks, we thank you guys for all the likes, shares, and follows, and all the support. And uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to to really getting into it with you guys this off season, leading into this next season. So, that being said, on behalf of our Mister Compadre, Mister Amari Brown, on behalf of my guy, Mister Matthew Freeze, and myself, TK, this is the Flight Deck Podcast, your best source for everything Jets. So, with that being said. We appreciate you, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. As always, let's go Jets.